This morning we were in Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. Uh, we've been in the book of Galatians now for six weeks, going kind of slowly, but that's okay. The Word of God is so packed full. I've, learned, I've listened to all types of sermons on Galatians as I've been studying and just listening to what other people have got to say and, 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 and looking for insights on the scriptures and reading commentaries. And I've seen people uh, take their time and go through like I am. I've also seen people preach a chapter in an hour. I don't understand how they do it. I'm not built like that. So uh, we are going to look at probably six verses this morning. I may get into a little bit of chapter three, but uh, we are looking at finishing, not really finishing, but drawing a good bow on a theme that's been throughout Galatians, and it's throughout the whole book. But uh, Chapters 1 and chapters 2 really reiterate over and over and over and over and over this idea that, that salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. It's justification is by faith in Christ alone. There is no other way. As a matter of fact, Paul goes so far as to say, if you add anything to this gospel, which is that Jesus Christ is the, is, is, is the atonement for sin, that Jesus Christ is the only way. If you add a single thing to that, if you take away one thing from that, then may you be accursed. And he even goes so far as to say, if I or an angel from heaven come down out of heaven and they preach another gospel, not that there is another one, but if they preach another gospel, may they be cursed. May they, may they be under the wrath of God, so to speak. And so we understand now that Paul, and I've had some people ask me, say, it seems like the messages are really similar over the past six weeks. Well, that's how strongly Paul feels about this, this, this doctrine of justification by faith. Paul is saying over and over and over and over and over again. And if he thinks it's that important, then I think that we should think it's that important too. Many theologians over the years, especially in the Reformation, Luther being one of them, Calvin being one of them, have said that the, the, the doctrine of justification by faith alone is the hinge on which everything swings. And it is. Because if you get the first wrong, if you get the justification by faith alone, then you've added to the salvific work of Jesus Christ, and it is nullified. If you try to add to the, let me say it in, these, in this way. If you try to add to the, to the justification alone of Jesus Christ, if you try to add to the gospel, if you try to add something to Jesus is the only way to heaven, okay, simple enough, then you don't get to heaven at all. Because if you add to the gospel, it is not a gospel anymore. It then becomes you trying to work yourself up to Christ. And can you do that? Absolutely not. So he's hitting this over and over and over and over again. And we're going to kind of tie a bow on that today in verses 15 through 21. Let's open up the scriptures and let's read those verses. If you will, stand to your feet out of reverence and respect to God's holy word. Galatians 2, 15 through 21. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in, Christ Je in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. That's important, very important. But if in our endeavor, Christ then asserts seeking to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For though the law, for through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's very important. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning and kind of lead up to this uh, transition where he'll start to talk a little bit about the relationship between the law and grace, between the law of God and the promises uh, that he made to his people through Abraham and through others. I want to, to, to talk today and put this 
this kind of this cap on this thing because I need for you to understand just what it means to be justified through Christ alone. Because I understand that even as Christians, what we do is we tend to come to Christ one way. And, and even those of us who have been taught rightly, and we've been taught that salvation is through Christ alone, you can't add anything to it. We've come to Christ that way. But what we start to do is when we get in trouble and when we start to doubt or when we, when we, when we fall back into a sinful lifestyle or when sin creeps back up on us, instead of coming back to Christ the same way that we came the first time, we start, all of a sudden, we become law-abiding citizens. And we become uh, those that would condemn ourselves because we broke the law. But don't you remember that you were already a lawbreaker? Don't you remember that Christ Jesus uh, fulfilled the law uh, in your life through his perfect obedience, even unto death? Why? And that's what Paul was saying in chapter 3. He says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Have, after starting by the Spirit, are you now trying to be perfected through the law? And so what I need for you to understand is that where your starting place is, is the best place to start. And that's on Christ and Christ alone, through justification and into sanctification. So we have birth and then we have maturing. It's going to be the same process. Now the law is connected to this, but within, and this is what Luther says, within the realm of justification, the law should not be mentioned. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Within the conversation of justification, meaning the washing of way of sins, the forgiveness of sins, law has no place. All that the law can do is condemn you and tell you that you're a sinner. It cannot justify you or wash away or remove your sins. You say, I've heard this already. Have you thought about what you're doing in your own life? And I've thought, I thought about this too. I thought... Lord, how can I share with them the importance of this doctrine and why Paul teaches it over and over and over and over again? He said, Brennan, it's the same in your life. I said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, how many times do you beat the teetotal Hades out of yourself because you sin instead of just going back to the cross? How many times do you judge yourself And you stand over yourself in judgment because of the sin in your life and you doubt your salvation and therefore you put Christ back to the cross in such a way that he should have never been. You see, Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? We don't go back the same way. We don't do that. We don't go back to the law. The law condemns. So let's open up the scriptures now. And I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about where are you right now? Have you pronounced condemnation on yourself even though you know that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ but now you are living a life of, uh, of defeat? You're living a life in bondage because yes, you do have sin in your life. And you said, oh, I'm no good. I came to Christ. I thought I was saved and I'm saved and maybe I'll get to heaven one day but I'm slave to this sin. What do we do in those moments? Are you living according to the word of God when you enslave yourself to sin again? Are you living according to the promises of God when you go back to the law and you sit up under the law though Christ has set you free from the law? Is that biblical? Is this this a warranted or justified condemnation of yourself? Do you stand before God guilty because you're a lawbreaker? Well, let's get into the word and see what it says here. First of all, we have uh, verse 15 that says this. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And so what Paul's going to do here, see, he just rebuked Peter for uh, sinning against God for his hypocrisy because he had sat down to eat with the Gentiles, which he was free to do. Paul does the same thing. Paul says, to, I became all things to all, all men. He says, I sit down and eat with, with Gentiles. I'm free to do all things. Not all things are beneficial to me. So he didn't condemn Peter. He didn't rebuke Peter, Peter for sitting down with the Gentiles. He rebuked him for getting up real quick and being ashamed that he was sitting with the Gentiles when the circumcision party came in. So when the representatives, so to speak, of the the law came in, he jumped up out of his seat and started to walk away like he was ashamed of this. And by his actions, we said that he was by his actions making a statement that to sit down and eat with the Gentile sinners made him less holy than if he was living according to the Old Testament law. 
So in his actions, he basically said, if you follow the Old Testament law, you are more holy, and therefore he is adding to the justification of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? But now Paul rebuked him to his face so that everybody might see that that's not the way that it was, is that the Gentiles are just as much justified because both are justified by faith in Christ alone. It's not by works. So what he says here, he says, he says now, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. So he does make a distinction. He says, we are the people of God. We are born from the nation of Israel. We are by birth Jews. We are by birth the Old Testament people of God set apart from day one that they were the representative people of God that would show God's glory to the world. They were set apart by God. He said, we're Jews by birth. But let me ask you this. You see, the Jews were the ones that were representative of God's law and being set apart by God. So the Israelites, the Jews, were the representatives of God's family, God's righteousness, God's holiness, the set-apart nature of God, God's law. But did the law being given to the Jews, did the sacrificial system being given to the Jews, did it make them holy? Did it make them holy? Was that the way that they came into a right relationship with God? If you were born into the nation of Israel and you had Jewish blood running through your veins and you observed the sacrificial systems, well, we know that the book of Hebrew tells us that the blood of bulls and goats will never take away the sins. It can cleanse from no sins. So just because they were born into a Jewish family, even though they may have observed Levitical law or the Mosaic law, does not mean they were righteous. Paul says that we are born, uh, we are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet, yet, that small word, it could also say but. He said, but we were born Jews, but we were born Jews, yet we were born Jews, but wait a second, but wait, there's more. We were born Jews. We were Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. What he is saying is, is that even the Jews are not justified by the law. Some think that the nation of Israel, just because they have some type of Jewish blood running through their veins, that they are the, the, the unique people of God and they do not need Jesus Christ, that they are set apart and, and that God's got a, a special plan for them that doesn't really involve what, what is being done for the Gentiles. Paul says, no, sir, that the, the, the Jew will be saved in the same way that the Gentile will be saved. They will be saved through the shed blood of the Messiah, through Jesus Christ and faith alone. Amen? The Jewish laws and traditions added nothing to salvation. Added nothing. As a matter of fact, it made it harder. There was a hardening on the Jews. It made it harder for them to come to Christ in many instances. But Paul says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. He, he goes on to say, so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. I want you to notice something. When he says, so we also, he is making a, a, an equative term there. He is, equating, he is equating the Jew and the Gentile in their pursuit of salvation, in their pursuit of justification, saying there is no distinction between a Jew and a Gentile when it comes to salvation and the means by which we are justified. He looks at Peter and he says, you are saved just like those Gentiles that you just got up and walked away from. What's the difference, Peter? What's the difference? You see, how many of us, we, we, we put ourselves to open shame because we're not living this, this moral, moral life. And I'll tell you, there is a place to talk about moral failures in a Christian life. There is absolutely a place to talk, to talk about that. But it just comes down the line. When we're talking about justification, it is not about what you do. It's about Jesus Christ and what he's done. Do you understand that? I am not throwing out the law and saying it has no place. I am not throwing out works and saying they have no place. James says that faith apart from works is a what? A dead faith. It's good for nothing. We will get to that conversation. But in the conversation of justification, law and works and self-righteousness have no place whatsoever. 
Paul tells Peter, basically he tells him, says there's no difference. We all must be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. He says, so we also. I want you to notice something right here. <laughs> in verses 16 and 17, 16 even by itself, the word justified, it happens three times. Listen to what it says. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one, no flesh will be justified. This is all about justification. Many people worry to death when you start to really preach this doctrine because they say, Pastor Brandon, people are just going to go crazy. If you tell them they're justified by faith alone, apart from anything that they do, and no matter how good they are, if you tell them that it's just Jesus, it's just Jesus, you, you, it's not about how righteous you live, it's not about how good you are, it's not, how, it's not about your good works. If you tell them it's just Jesus and just Jesus alone, man, they're going to go crazy. They're going to be wild. All right, I got a sin-free card. That's some of you right there. You've even done that dance, right? I got a sin-free card, right? He's going to address that in just a second, okay? But right here, I want you to notice that it's all about just, we are not talking about maturity. We are not talking about sanctification. We are not talking about growth. We're talking about the transformation of a dead man. There is no possibility of anyone pleasing God outside of a faith that brings him from death to life. You need to understand that when we talk about justification, to give you a little bit better of an understanding, when we talk about the, the aspect of justification within a Christian life, we can equate that very similarly to the birth of a Christian, to the salvation of a Christian. These are almost synonymous terms. So when we talk about justification, we're talking about birthing. Or when you talk about a seed being put into the ground, is a seed alive or dead? It's dead. It's buried into the ground, right? You put it into the ground. But then what happens? It must grow. It must germinate. It must sprout through the ground. And then we can talk about what type of fruit it bears, uh, how it grows. Uh, what can we do to straighten the vines? What can we do to support the limbs? What can we do to prune it that it bear more fruit? But the initial conversation is about justification, birth, or that generation. Because a dead man can't do anything. Without the work of Jesus, the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross made real in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing. We're talking about justification here. Three times he hits it. I have in my notes here to say it one more time. Law has no place in a conversation about justification. We will talk about that later. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Paul says it pretty well in another place, just to kind of corroborate a couple of verses here. <clears throat> it's funny because I'm going to come back to this and read the first portion of it a little bit later, but in Romans chapter 6, verses, uh, I'm sorry, Romans, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Turn over there with me right quick or I'll just read it for you. Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, listen to this. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his, I'm sorry, because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. You see, what Paul is saying is, is that we have been born into this, uh, this Jewish life. We have been born into this nation of Israel. But it is not as if this solidifies our relationship with God in a salvific manner, in a justified manner. It is by faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He starts talking about this birth justified 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 and Paul is going to say right here in Romans chapter 9 that it is not children of the flesh it's not working the law it's not working out all these things but it is the promise it is the faith that we have turn over with me in Romans chapter 6 as well verses starting in verse 20 I want you to listen to these verses when we talk about being justified uh, versus being sanctified or the being born and then that life after being born. Listen to what he says, and this is Paul writing again in Romans chapter 6, verses 20. 
For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its ends, which is eternal life. You see, we have, we have this, this picture of a, of a Christian life. Let's just slow down a little bit. We have this picture of a Christian life. And what Paul is saying is, is that when you think of a Christian's life, there's different aspects to that Christian life. And what many people want to do is they say the first aspect is exactly like the last aspect and the last aspect is exactly like the first aspect and we've got to kind of mesh them together. But what Paul says is that it's not really that way because we have the beginning of a Christian life. We are all dead in our transgressions and sins. Agreed? We're all dead in our transgressions and sins. There's nothing that we, that we can do to please God. That nothing that, that, that apart from faith that is impossible to please God. That's Romans. So in order to even start to please God, in order to, and this is for the Jew, the Gentile, and everybody in between, in order to be able to start to have a, a relationship with God, to be reconciled to God, to be able to please God, to be able to live with him and him not be your enemy and wrath be abiding on you, something must happen to take care of our sins, right, and to bring us from death to life. That's justification. That is the atoning work of Christ on the cross that lived out the law that you couldn't live perfectly. His perfect obedience was what made the cross powerful. His perfect obedience and his, 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 his death on the cross that was not warranted paid the price for me and it paid the price for you and it atoned for our sins. Okay? You follow that? We... Then come to life. If we accept Christ, our sins are paid for, our sins are washed away, and we are brought to life by the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus Christ brings us to life. At that point, Christ continues to work through us, not to make us to start to follow the law in order to progress from there, but to make the law alive in us and write it on our hearts so that the law would be descriptive of who we are. It wouldn't be that we, would, that we would grit and make ourselves do it. No. It would be that this process of justification, that we become children of God, that we become heirs to the promise, that we become awakened and alive. You see, the living out of the law, the living out of obedience in Christ is rooted in your faithfulness, and, a, and an obedient life is actually the plant that grows out of faithfulness. Your faith. In Christ, that was given by him. Your faith is what grows. That's where life happens. Let's listen to the scriptures. He starts to describe that. He says, Do you, I'm sorry, let's get back over. I'm in the wrong place. He says, but if in our endeavor, listen to this. He says, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? See, he goes back and he says, everyone must be justified. Everyone must be justified in Christ alone. The Jew and the Gentile, everybody must be justified in Christ. By works of the law, no one will be justified. And so then this argument comes his way. And, he's, and, and, and you can just hear the argument. But if you tell them that they must be justified and it's in Christ alone, then they're going to enter back into sin. And what are you going to tell them then? They don't, you, don't, you don't have a standard to hold them to. You know, this, this, he's saying this doctrine, the people that are coming against him, this doctrine leads people to sin because what you're doing is you're giving them a, a sin free card. This is why people won't preach this doctrine. This is why they won't preach it because they feel like if you don't put your own man-made rules on them, if you don't take them back to the old Testament rules, if you don't hold them to some type of standard, they're going to go buck wild and crazy. But Paul says this, Paul says this. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. But if someone does go back, he says, you see, if we are pursuing Christ and we fall back into sin, does that mean that Christ then is a servant of sin? I had to really wrap my mind around this sentence. 
Because there's different interpretations to this sentence. There's different ways to understand this. And, and some of them have merit, some of them not so much. But what I believe is the proper way to understand this is what, what Paul is, he, Paul is addressing a concern that's coming at him, the same concern that we have today is that many legalistic churches or, or many churches that are really about laws and you've got to dress a certain way and you've got to do this and you've got to do that or you're not a part of the kingdom of God, that really they're just scared. They're just scared. They're scared that if they, if they say Christ in Christ alone, that they'll lose the people and the people will become corrupt and they'll become sinners. But it's really just a misplaced trust. They trust more the systems and the laws of men over the power of the Holy Spirit and the regeneration that comes through the Holy Spirit and the shed blood and the atoning work of Jesus Christ. You see, I think Paul is addressing this here. He says, yes. He said, what if in our endeavor, what if in our pursuit of Christ to be justified in Christ, what if we really are pursuing Christ and we want to be justified in Christ, we fall back into sin? What if some do do what you're saying? What if they do? We preach justification by faith alone and then all of a sudden they say well i'm saved i can do whatever how many times have we heard you say this this scripture is not relevant to us oh yeah how many times in your southern baptist life have you walked up to someone and you say where do you go to church what type of relationship are you saved are you a christian are you a believer what do they say what do they say i said that prayer when i was six years old and the preacher told me, all I got to do is believe, and all I got to do is say this prayer, and I'm good. But they have lived a life 20 years up till now, doing whatever they want to, living like hell on earth, doing drugs, sleeping around, having sex with whoever they want to, getting drunk, all these things, adultery, all these things, over and over and over and over. But what they say is, is this. This is ripping Paul's words out of context and making Christ the servant of sin. That's what that's doing. When you find somebody that say they said a prayer when they were six years old, but they lived without a care in the world, they could care less about who Jesus is, then what they're saying is, is that Christ Jesus was the agent that allowed me to sin all this time and feel good about it. Are you seeing? You catching what I'm throwing? You understanding what I'm saying? You understanding what Paul's saying? So what does Paul say about this? Because this is dangerous, right? But you see, we cannot change it. Why can't we change it? Why can't we change it, brother? Why can't we change it? Because the proclamation of the gospel is what calls true children. It's what calls true children. Will you call some false children? Will you call some illegitimate children? Will you call some liars? Will you call some pretenders that will act like they're saved? That will, that will do all of these things and use the name of Christ in order to justify their sins? Sure you will. Sure you will. It's inevitable. But don't you preach a false gospel to the true children to avoid that problem? All you're doing is making everybody a bunch of legalists and nobody saved. we got to have the true gospel. we got to have the true gospel. And yes, it is dangerous, but it's only dangerous to those who would never believe in the first place. Because Jesus Christ said, my sheep, they hear my voice. All that the Father has given to me, they will come to me, and I will not lose one of them. See, this is not, this is not dangerous to the true children. Because Paul says, what if in our pursuit of Christ and our preaching, justification by faith alone, what if some fall back into sin? Have we made Christ Jesus? And this, this uh, word servant here in the original language is this, is this word... Uh, it's, it's the same word as diaconize. It's this, it's this word of service or an agent or a, a minister of, or it's, it's, that you're, it's that you're a promoter of it. You're, in, you're, you're, you're the carrier of it. So he's saying, if we preach this, are we making Christ the agent by which sin is justified? And he says, certainly not, with great emphasis. He says, certainly not. This is used all the time by Paul. And he says, may it never be, may it never be. If I preach, if me, Brandon Porridge, if I stand on this stage and I preach justification by faith in Christ alone, and you use that as a tool to go out and feel good about your sin, that is not on me and it's not on Jesus. That's on you. That's on you. God never said that was okay. And he never justifies your sin. As a matter of fact, the only way that, that you can truly live out 
The righteous life is to have the Spirit of God come inside of you, make you alive so that you can actually see the sin that you have in your life. As we move on right here, he says this. He says, But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ the servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. What he's saying here is is this. When he says, if in our pursuit of Jesus, we fall back into sin, has Christ then become an agent of sin? Is, is, is Jesus Christ responsible for those who fall back into sin? Uh, may it never be. But what he says here, he says, as a matter of fact, we, we are the ones that make law to be the sin if after we, after we start to pursue Christ, we then come back in and start to rebuild what was torn down by Jesus Christ. Here's the picture. Jesus Christ saves you by grace through faith, and that's not even of yourself, so that no one can boast. And then once you're saved, once you're justified, once you're in the family, you fall. And instead of going back to daddy, instead of going back to the family, instead of going back to the fact that you're born into this family and nothing now can cut you off, You start working for dad. Remember the prodigal son? Remember the the letter he wrote on his way home? Remember remember the speech he was preparing on the way home? Even my father's slaves have it better than me. I know what I'll do. I'll tell him, I'll work for you, dad. I'll be a hired hand. I'll be, I I, I just want, as long as I can be a servant, as long as I can work, I'll work for it, daddy. I'll work for it. And you can put me out with the least of them. I'll work as one of the servants, as one of the hands. I'll work out just as long as I can just just, just be on the farm somewhere, on the ranch somewhere, on, on the estate somewhere. I don't have to be your son anymore. I'll work for you. I'll be a slave. What happened? He said, that's what Paul's saying. He said, if I, I'm not trying to build back up. See, Paul was being accused of saying, yeah, Jesus Christ, okay, Jesus, you got to be justified by Christ along with circumcision, along with the law. But what he's saying is Christ died to fulfill the law. He died to tear it down. He died to tear it apart so that it couldn't condemn you anymore. But you're going back to the law that Jesus Christ has torn down. And you're trying to soothe your soul through the law that was trying to condemn you. Why? You understand what I'm saying? How many times do you do that, child of God? You don't got to be that way. You don't got to be that way. You're not, you were never justified by that law. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are not going to fix your broken soul by going back to the law. You're not. And as you try to, as you try to make a deal with God, how many, I, I know you. Because I know me. You try to make a deal with God. You've been saved. You've asked Christ to come into your heart. But you make a deal. Because you, you like, yeah, you have no peace. You're distant from daddy. You're the prodigal. You've walked away. And you're the prodigal. You're the prodigal. You're, you're writing out your note on the way home. You're rehearsing your speech. Yeah, you're in a, a pigsty right now. And you're writing your speech. Daddy, I just... Just let me be a servant. I can work my way back in, Daddy. I can work my way back in. I got a strong back, Daddy. If you'll let me come. Is that, how you, is that how you view Jesus? Taskmaster? Seek to justify yourself with the law all over again? You're building back up this tower of self-righteousness and obedience to the law so that he might let you back in? Is that how you got in? Oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, foolish Williams. Oh, foolish pastor. Who has bewitched you? For if I rebuild what I tore down, I'll prove myself to be a transgressor. 
For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus Christ has already paid your price. He's already covered your sins. He's already welcomed you into the family. You've already been born into this family. You are justified by the blood of Christ. You are justified by your faith and you are not a slave to him in that way you are not a slave to the taskmaster but we're walking home making out our note and many of you and I, I will hit this nail right on the head I already know many of you have been estranged from your heavenly father for years days weeks months years and it's been a long road back. And you've worked on your speech, and you've worked on your speech, and you've worked on your speech, and you've worked on your speech. But you won't go back because you don't think he'll take you. But let me remind you what happens in the story of the prodigal son. What happens? Let me ask you this. Those of you who might be familiar with the story, did he ever even say his speech? Never even got to say it. Why? Because he got back in time, because he ran back, because he got to his father and surprised his father maybe, because he, what? Why didn't he, get, why didn't he have time? Huh? Because his father girded up his loins and took off running, which was very, very unclassy for a man to do in that, in that time. I mean, it would be unclassy for me to pull my skirt up and run right now too. But I want you to know that his father never waited to hear that speech. He never waited to see if his son would work it out. He never waited to uh, put his son to the, to the grinding wheel. He never waited to put his son out into the field. Yeah, boy, as soon as you get these 12 oxen under, uh, under your yoke and under your power, maybe then you can come back in the house. Maybe then you'll be counted as one of my sons. Maybe after you harvest all this, maybe then, boy, maybe then, boy, you get back out there in that field and, and we'll see how you do. How many of you think that's what he's going to say? You think that's what he's going to say? That's not the Jesus I know. That's not the Jesus I know. Hey, and listen, I want to give you a word that says, I don't care if you've been in church 20 years. If this has been going on, I want you to, I want you to feel freedom to let it go today. That religious spirit of works-based righteousness is really really strong i know and some of you feel like you can't let your pride down because man you've been a church member for 20 30 years you've been a christian for 50 years what is it going to look like if i come back child of god if you've wandered away and you can't make it back home because you're just know that he's he's got open arms he's chasing you he's running out to you it's not about what you do. It's about who you know. If you're a part of the family, now if you're not a part of the family of God, if you've, never, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, then you need to give your life today. And I don't want, I don't want anybody to leave here mistaken. If you've never been justified through faith in Christ alone, you are not an estranged child. You are an enemy of God and you abide under the wrath of God. He will not run out to hug you. He will run out to kill you. Fair enough. Those who make themselves lovers of the world, friends of the world, make themselves out to be enemies of God. I'm speaking to the children, but I want you to know something. As I proclaim faith alone in Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity to be born into the family of God this morning. You have the opportunity for the wrath of God to be removed from you and for you to be born into the kingdom. I'm not telling you you've got to do any certain thing. I'm telling you you've got to believe in Jesus. I'm telling you you've got to have faith in the Son of God who was killed, who was brutally murdered, who was offered up as a sacrifice for your sins. It's the only way. And you are welcomed into this family. And then you start to grow. Justification by faith alone in Jesus Christ is the entrance. It is the birth canal to the family of God. Anybody else? All people on earth are not children of God. Those who are by faith 
are children of God. You understand that? Outside of faith in Christ, you make yourselves out to be an enemy of God. And you will not stand against him. For our God is a consuming fire. But for you children out there, you estranged children, have wandered far off. I plead with you today. I plead with you today. Listen to the scriptures. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Here's what he says, and if the band wants to come up, I'm going to close with this right here. They say, if you preach justification by faith alone, that doctrine... That doctrine of Christ will become an agent of sin and it will lead people into a life of sin. Okay? That's what the, that's what the false teachers would say. But, but Paul says, may it never be. No, sir. No, sir. Christ is not the agent of sin. Rather, rather I have been crucified with Christ and the, I have died to the law so that the law is dead with me and the life that I now live, I live in Jesus Christ. He says this way, the righteous shall live by faith. The, the righteous will come to life by faith and those righteous people, they will live out the commands of God better than anybody that wants to try to, to, try to, to, to make themselves walk that straight line. Anybody who with self-grit and self-will tries to live and obey the law they cannot do it. They cannot please God apart from faith. But if you have faith in Christ, you see, the Spirit of God comes in and it kills the old man that was dead to God. It kills the old man and puts him to the side. It, it, it shoves him out of the picture. It kills the old man. Now, he'll try to creep back in, but it silences him. The Spirit of God kills the old man and puts him to the side. And Christ now lives in you. You say, Brandon, they're going to live like crazy. No, sir, they won't. Not if they truly understand this doctrine. Not if they truly come to God. Because it'll be no longer them that live, but it'll be Christ that lives in them. And even so much that the pendulum will swing all the way over on the other side. And the people who love God and who pursue him the most. Now, we, now we're going to transition a little from justification to the life. I want you to see this. Because this is what Paul says. I want you to see this, okay? Because I don't want you to think. Now, I don't think you will. But I don't want you to think that I am giving you a sin-free card. Listen to this. He says, what if, we, what, if we, what if we start pursuing God through Christ, but we fall into sin? Does that mean that Christ has led us into the sin? No, he said, no, no, no. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Because Jesus Christ has... He's fulfilled the law, and, and, and the letter of the law is no longer valid in your life because the life you now live, you're dead to the law. You're alive to Christ now. You're alive in Christ now. And the, the, the life that I now live, I live in Jesus Christ. And I am living out my faith. I am living out the Word of God. Yes, I'm a, I, I fail. Yeah, I fail. But as I, but as I pursue Christ, I find that even though I fall, I have an advocate with the Father, and I find myself being renewed and sanctified, and I repent of my sin, and God grants me repentance, and I start to walk with Christ, and I start to love Him. Oh, child of God, you know, some of you in this room, you say, I've been justified, Brandon. It's the second part that I'm having a hard time with. I've been justified, Brandon. I know that I called on Jesus, and man, I've been one of those that said when I was 10 years old, I, 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 I called out to Jesus, and, and, I, and I believe I was saved. I, yeah, I have straight. I have walked away, Brandon. I have. And I've tried. I've tried. I've tried, Brandon. I, I, I pick up the Bible. I'll start reading it. I'll make, I'll make promises. I'll rededicate my life 18 times. I'll get saved a few more times. I'll, I'll, I'll write down in my Bible that I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to have my quiet time. But then, you know, Brandon, the world, it, it creeps back up and it creeps in. And I find myself just lost to sin again. But I, I, I do, Brandon. I, I, want to, I want to live that life. How many of you? I mean, I know I've been there. Isn't it hard? It's, it's awful. And you know you, you, love, you love Jesus, but then you find yourself all wrapped up. And then you just you forget about Jesus. 
then you find yourself down in this pit. I want to read just a little bit of chapter 3 because I want you to know that there's hope. There's hope. There is hope. You don't have to live this perfect Christian life in order to have peace. You do need to be sanctified. You do need to be growing. But I want to tell you something right now. You do not earn your salvation. I don't care how far away you are. Jesus is only a step away. Jesus is a step into his embrace. He said, the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify grace, the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. They were, they were criticizing him for making the law nothing. Now they're accusing him of make, nullifying grace. He says, no, listen. When you come into the family of God and when you press into him, when you, when you, you tell me. When you walk in hand, you, you ever struggle with sin? Me too. Let me ask you a question. When you're walking hand in hand with God, on those occasions when, you, when you're praying, you're seeking God, not religiously, not legalistically, but man, when you, you know them times when you just, you're in touch with your, with your dad and you, you know, we've not received a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption of the sons of those who cry out, Abba, Father. You know, when you're talking to Abba and you're walking in the spirit and you're not gratifying the deeds of the flesh and you're walking out, is it hard to not sin? No, it ain't. It's, it's not. We don't even think about sin. We, you know, we're walking with God and, and we're talking with Him and, 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 and hell's going on around us and the world's falling apart, but you got this stupid grin on your face. And you just, and people don't like you, you know, when you're like that. I don't. And you just, you know, you, you, you got some sin in your life, you know that, but you know what? Your daddy's got me. Daddy's got me. And you know, you got sin, but it's easy to repent because you say, I'm sorry, Daddy. I won't do it again. I, I came home this morning. Uh, I went back home to help Heather get ready to come here with the boys. We got four, so I got to go down. Walked in the house, and almost all the kids are ready. And my three-year-old walks up to me naked as a jaybird. I peed in my pants, Daddy. I could have said, I, I failed before. I could have said, get your jump back up to get you some money. You know that. You know how to pee in a party. Where you at? But this morning, you know, I had read these verses. <laughs> I said, come here, buddy. Picked him up, his naked tail would pee on him and everything. Come on, let's get you some undies on. And I carried that boy back upstairs. I set him down in the floor and I got him some new underwear out and he stepped his two little legs in there we got him a shirt and we got him some more pants and we got him all dressed for church this morning and he thought he thought I was going to be upset with him he really did he's like don't spank me I'm like come here you see guys I want you to listen to this oh foolish Galatians who has bewitched you it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed, publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Which one? Which one? By how good you were or by the fact that you believed? Are you so foolish? How, how, how does this apply? Man, how good? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Jesus Christ has done an amazing work in you. He gave you new life. He set you free from sin and death, right? He gave you the Spirit by faith. If you got the Spirit by faith and you've wandered far off, come back there he'll forgive you today by the power of the Holy Spirit you don't got to work your way back in God you didn't work your way in in the first place please don't think you can work your way back in and if you want to live a life set apart for Christ you say Brandon is saying you can do whatever you want no if you want to live the most holy life if you want to live a life that is righteous 
Ask Christina. Ask me. Ask any one of you out there that have really walked with God. When you walk hand in hand with Jesus, what did I do something wrong? When you walk hand in hand with Jesus Christ, you fulfill the scriptures in such a way that it would look like you were a legalist. And you'd have people asking, what about the grace of God? What about the grace of God? That's how I'm walking, baby. That's how I'm walking. How you th- oh, you thought I was doing this on my own power? <laughs> you don't know me very well. <laughs> you ain't know me in my past life. I don't got the power to do it, guys, and neither do you. We start with Christ. We live by Christ. We die in Christ. And we live forevermore. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's give honor to God today. We're going to have this last song here. If you've never given your life to Christ and you've never put your faith in the one true and living God who paid for your sins on the cross, you've never been born into the family of God, if you if you feel like an enemy of God and you don't know, then you come and talk to me or talk to somebody. You talk to God and you put your faith in God. Children, let me address children now. Children of God in here, that you did pray that prayer. You did put, you did put your faith in Christ. You, you've trusted Him. Yes, you've trusted Him, but, but you've wandered far off and you've wandered for years. How, how do these guys live for the Lord? One, they're not as good as they look. They, they, everybody puts on a good show. Okay, let's just get that out there, the best of them. But two, if any man live, it is no longer he that lives, but Christ that lives in him. And it's only because he is walking hand in hand with Christ, and you see Christ shining through him. That's it. That's it. If you're estranged from God, and you've been worried about the taskmaster bringing the whip out when you get home, please don't have that view of God. That's not who he is, not to you. He'll pour out wrath on somebody, but if you put your faith in Christ, not you, you get to call him Abba. You get to call him Daddy. And you get to watch him scoop you up in your filthiest of sins. And he'll take you into the changing room and he'll powder you up and wipe you off and set you back on solid ground. And he'll continue to walk with you. Child of God, come home, please. Come home. I plead with you from my soul. Come home, child of God. You don't have to work your way back. Step into his embrace. Step into his embrace. Please, let's worship. I'll be here if you want me to pray for you.